Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. That's assault, at the least. Six months in jail on the street, now add the weapon, and that's at least a year, right? That was tweeted by NFL legend James Harrison, former Pittsburgh Steeler, more than 30,000 likes for that tweet. If you haven't seen it, check it out now. Get on YouTube. You probably have, though. Miles Garrett, one of the best players in the NFL, the best the Browns have to offer, ripping off Mason Rudolph's helmet, the Steelers quarterback, swinging it at him, making contact. Lucky for Miles Garrett, he did not hit Mason Rudolph with the crown of the helmet. Could have ended his career. Could have ended his life. One of the ugliest incidents we've ever seen on any type of sports field. Here's how it sounded on the call with Joe Buck. Boris now gets in there and knocks him out. And there's a brawl going oh, yeah. down inside the 10-yard line. Mason Rudolph and Larry Ogunjobi are going down, and the Steelers oh. are kicking oh, Ogunjobi man. in the head, and the benchers are coming off the field. So everything going as right there, the Browns were going after him, and getting in there was Miles Garrett, and oh. Garrett took the helmet off of Mason Rudolph and flung it. And then David DeCastro and Marquise Pouncey came in, and they started really laying it in. So it was Miles Garrett who took the helmet off of Mason Rudolph and slammed him on the top of the head with eight seconds to go in the game. A wild scene. Oh, oh gosh. Man. Oh, man. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Rips the helmet wow. off Rudolph's head and then eventually swings it and hits him in the head. And then Ogan Joby comes up and hits Rudolph from behind. Beyond words, oh, Joe. Gosh, that's one of the worst things I've ever seen on a professional sports field. That's where we start a football Friday here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try Zip Recruiter for free. Zip Recruiter dot com slash enter i'm dave briggs home in connecticut ross tucker on the road prepping for another army college football broadcast ross how long do you expect miles garrett to be suspended is this season enough should it bleed into next year i think that's really the only debate the only discussion at this point dave i would be shocked if he plays again this year he is suspended for the rest of this season I think everybody agrees with that. The question is whether or not it goes into next year. I'm going to say it probably doesn't. You know, this might be one day where the NFL says he's suspended indefinitely and that that sounds really bad and it's for the rest of this year, but then he still gets back for next year. I, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of outrage out there. I see people calling for criminal charges I see people calling for him to be banned from the sport of football. I don't agree with that. I think that the most severe punishment I remember for a single incident was Albert Hainsworth stomping Andre Girard, uh, which I think, did you say it was five games earlier, Dave? Um, so six games for this feels about right. The rest of the season, he should be done. And I think that that's I think that's enough. That that is a significant punishment. It's almost half a year. It's a lot of money. And frankly, you know, this is what he'll be known for now, which I think is pretty bad in and of its own right. Maybe they'll say ten games. Maybe it's the first four games of next year. That wouldn't bother me, Dave. I wouldn't be on next week's show saying I can't believe they did that. Oh my god! Like, there's really not many. Uh, game suspension punishment that would bother me that much from the NFL for this. What would bother me if there were any type of criminal charges, but I didn't even know this. I haven't seen this elsewhere. I don't know where you saw it. I give you a lot of credit. Evidently, there is no rule. Like once you're inside the white lines, 
there can't be criminal charges. Can you explain that a little further again? Well, I checked with my attorney wife, and she followed up on that. But uh, to quote Michael McCann, who is an attorney, Sports Illustrated's legal expert, if Miles Garrett swung a helmet at another person's head outside his stadium and hit him, that would be assault probably worse. But then he adds, not in the U.S. It is different in other countries, says Michael McCann, including Canada. Why Canada matters is because for those of you that are NHL fans like myself, there have been assault charges twice in recent times as related to on-ice during game incidents. Todd Bertuzzi charged with criminal assault for causing bodily harm. He ended the career of Colorado Avalanche player Steve Moore. Marty McSorley swung his stick at Donald Brashear's head and was sentenced 18 months probation for the slashing. That was assault with a weapon. So right here... We do have some legal protection and frankly, probably should. Um, you said everyone pretty much agrees with the six game suspension. I think it ought to go longer into next year in particular because Vontez Perfect, although he had a much more, uh, had a history of violent uh, plays that in jeopard jeopardizes players careers. He was suspended for rest of season. That was in week four. So in a sense, a 12-week suspension, what Miles Garrett did, if you just take those two incidents in a bottle, much worse what Miles Garrett did. Arian Foster, the former great Houston Texans running back, does not agree with any of us. He tweeted, the outrage is dumb. Baseball and hockey fight all the time. Every time football and basketball players get into some ethical issue, LOL, so stupid. If you're out there, Arian Foster, we'd love to talk about this with you more. Let's listen to some callers from local markets on this incident. We bought both sides, both 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland and 93.7 in Pittsburgh. Listen to their fans react on both sides of the issue. Bo and Euclid, you're next up on The Fan. I have sat here and listened to this all night, and I can't believe the soft listeners this is a feud, a war that's been going on for 50 years. We have sat here for the past 20 and watched Steelers come into our house and punch us in the mouth and play soft NFL football. We finally get one player to stand up for it and go against it and punch them back, and then instantly it's a problem and that it's barbaric. But Bo, it's a helmet, dude. He took. Bo, he, he, he swung a helmet at well, his first face. Off, first, hold right, on, hold well, on, Bo, 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 Bo. I know none of us have used the word barbaric. Lam and I haven't used the word barbaric no, here. I know you have. I know I that. Have, I know. I know well, hold on, hold on. I know that it's. And I understand. This is. Stay with me. I'm not going to let you go. I promise. I know that there's frustration, years of frustration that are bubbling up here. But I look at what happened. Mason Rudolph. Plays it up to the crowd after he gets hit in the hit in the head. He knows yeah. that Miles Garrett is in a ton of trouble after what yeah. he just did. He knows yeah. it. And so in the long term, who wins? Who wins? Right. Miles, Mason Rudolph is a nothing in the grand scheme right. of things in the NFL. Miles Garrett is a number one overall pick and might be gone for the rest of the year now. Yes. And they're all guilty. So that's 92-3 in Cleveland. Long term, I don't think Miles Garrett is known for this because he didn't land that thing on the head with the crown of the helmet on Mason Rudolph. He is eligible for an extension next year, and goddamn, he's going to get it because he is an outstanding, unstoppable player. I'll throw a $90 million figure out there. Miles Garrett going to be just fine in the long run. Let's listen to 93-7 in Pittsburgh. Dave, good morning. How are you? Hey, how you doing, buddy? Uh, we're great. Thanks, Dave. Okay. Hey, uh, Mason Rudolph may not be our quarterback of the future, but I tell you what, man, he's one little tough son of a gun, man. He has taken a beating this year. I mean, I mean, even to the point where he, he doesn't even get uh, carted off. If, you know, he gets knocked out. You know, they, they, well, they, they, walk, they walk him to the sidelines. He's getting hit in the head with helmets. Uh... He was terrible. He was terrible last night. Well, you bring up a good point. Dave brings up a good point. You know, 
we check guys out all the time in this football game. Is he okay? Is he not okay? Mm -hmm. He got dinged up on this play. The guy who's in the – and that guy's really kind of gone away. Nobody talks about the independent observer in the press box anymore all that much, right? Right, to decide if somebody needs to go in protocol. Guy got full-scale swung on by a football helmet and hit in the head. I – and it's real late in the game. Right. They're just like, yeah, I, just go take that last snap. And just had – I, you know, I don't – I don't think the Steelers are derelict for uh, derelict of duty for sending him out there, but I'm just I'm wondering if he is okay. You know, you get hit with a football helmet swung like that. Let's see what plays out over the course of the next yeah, week or so. Of, those kind of effects can be delayed, uh, and so he seemed fine after the game. But you hope he wakes up feeling okay this morning. Ross, your reaction to both sides of the callers. So interesting. Um, I love this. This is one of the coolest things about Radio.com sports, as well as home and home here on the Radio.com app or Radio.com slash home. So interesting on multiple levels. Number one, I guess I'm going to go in reverse order here, Dave. Number one, I didn't even think about the fact that Mason Rudolph didn't go in the concussion protocol, and it's not funny but I, I didn't even realize, uh, lost amidst all that, that there was another play after that, you know, and he didn't go in the tent or whatever. Like, that, that is crazy. Um, but that's, that's neither here nor there. It is very Pittsburghian of that caller to have his topic be about how tough Mason Rudolph is. Uh, Pennsylvania in general and certain aspects of Pennsylvania, like the coal region and like Pittsburgh, they are a different breed. And uh, they pride, uh, they, they prioritize toughness over pretty much anything else. And it's hard to describe unless you've been there or you know people that live there. And so for his first comment to be about how tough Mason Rudolph is, I'm not surprised. They saw him get knocked out by Earl Thomas and walk off the field somehow without a face mask. They saw him get destroyed last night a bunch of times. We haven't even talked about the game. Dave. We literally have not talked about the game, which is such a shame for the Browns because they played pretty well. There was a Princeton guy, Steve Carlson, made an, an unbelievable touchdown catch. We haven't even been able to mention that. Uh, but but the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line got their butt kicked the whole game, and Rudolph was under duress. So I'm not surprised that a Steelers fan talks about the toughness. And frankly, I think the Browns fan is wrong. But this is the beauty of sports talk radio. I'm also not shocked that a Browns fan that has had to endure all of the losing, all of the jokes, all of the everything – is fired up that his Browns won and fired up that aren't taking any you-know-what from the Steelers. And I think our Radio.com affiliate Cleveland hosts handled it exactly right. It's one thing to, you know, uh, metaphorically punch him in the mouth. It's a totally different thing to swing a guy's helmet at him. And unfortunately, that Cleveland caller did not realize that. But I love actually hearing what the people in these towns are actually thinking and feeling and saying right now this morning. It's awesome. I listened to uh, 93.7 myself uh, on the way home from work earlier uh, this morning on the radio.com app. For those of you that don't have it, you got to have it. And almost 10 to 1, the callers were talking not about the fight, not about the swing under the helmet, but the fact that they just don't like what they saw in the performance of their Steelers they felt like this is a team about to go on a playoff run as Andrew Filipponi did yesterday. And I agreed schedule is soft looking down the road for Pittsburgh and the way that defense had been performing looked like a team that was going to go on a run. It does not now because the offense is just mediocre at best. Mason Rudolph struggled to mention something about the game Four interceptions. He is overmatched right now. And it does not look like a team suddenly that has it in them to go on a run. This wasn't the only physical incident in the game. Marquise Pouncey says he was in protection mode, was kicking and punching Larry Ogunjobi. 
I feel he should be suspended a couple of games, at least through the next meeting uh, between these two teams. Ross does not. We shall see. Third quarter, this would have been the incident we were talking about this morning if it weren't for Miles Garrett. We almost forget. Brown's defensive back, Demarius Randall, was ejected in the third quarter after a nasty hit on Steelers receiver Deontay Johnson, who, by the way, was bleeding from the ear after that nasty hit. This game got ugly quickly, and it could have been an, an entirely different conversation. So, as per the football, Browns do win the game 21-7. to Baker Mayfield, uh, yeah, better-ish. 53% passing on the day, two touchdowns, no turnovers for three straight weeks. So that is a significant move forward for Baker Mayfield. Leadership afterwards, calling out his teammate, saying we can't have it, it's inexcusable, and it hurts the team. Baker Mayfield was certainly better, but OBJ said, Ross, this feels like a loss. He disagrees with the man who committed the act. Miles Garrett says a win is a win. I don't think it's overshadowed by what happens in eight seconds. Is he right? Is OBJ right? Uh, well, OBJ is a feeling. And so if he said it feels like a loss, then it feels like a loss. And I can absolutely see that because they're going to lose at least one game moving forward that they shouldn't without Miles Garrett. There's no question uh, that's going to happen. And if that's how Odell Beckham Jr. said he thinks he feels, that's how he feels. And I don't blame him. I'd probably feel the same way because Miles Garrett, Dave, is a thousand percent wrong. It absolutely yeah. overshadows the win. Look, yeah. we are on a national show available Monday through Friday for two and a half hours. And we haven't hardly even talked about the game till like an hour and 10 minutes in. All we've been talking about is the Miles Garrett incident. So he's dead wrong. It absolutely overshadows the win for the Cleveland Browns. And I'll tell you why else it does, Ross. The other job I have, for those of you that don't know, is anchoring the news on CNN prior to home and home, 4 to 6 a.m., show called Early Start. We get three stories, three stories that we call open stories, for those of you that don't watch a lot of cable news. Three stories that are the most important thing happening in the world. My television show is on around the world. One was another school shooting in California. Two was impeachment. Three was this effort by Miles Garrett swinging the helmet. That's a worldwide television news show in the middle of impeachment with a school shooting happening in California. And it was one of the three biggest stories in the world, according to the producers and to myself, an anchor of that show. That's what this does. This goes well beyond sports. Talked about on CNN, Today Show, Good Morning America. And that's why Roger Goodell's got a real problem here. He's got something he's really got to get a hold of because it goes well beyond ESPN and Home and Home. This goes on to news programs and newspaper front pages around the country and perhaps into the minds of parents considering football for their young children. And that's something referenced in a tweet by Peter King of NBC Sports. Our good friend Peter talked about and asked for, here it is for those of you watching on the app, interested in hearing from parents of youth football players or parents on the fence about allowing kids to play football about the Garrett incident. Write me, and there's his email address, Peter King, football morning in America at Gmail for Monday's column. Why I think this is important, and Peter makes an excellent point, the New York Times recently had a massive story about the state of football today and, more importantly, the future of it. They looked at football participation, Ross, in states across the country. There is not many states in the country that are more dedicated to the sport of football than Ohio. Maybe California, Texas, Florida, Pennsylvania. That's my top five. Ohio... Football participation at the youth level, Ross, is down 27% in the last decade. Could this add to the perceptions that parents have across the country? 
You know, maybe, Dave, a little bit, but I, I, I replied to Peter's tweet. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. You're at Dave Briggs TV. We are at RDC Home and Home. Highly encourage you, by the way, if you're not already, to follow us because the guys do a great job of posting some of the best social clips from the show on there. But I just don't see the correlation, especially the second sentence from Peter about especially parents who are on the fence about their children playing or not. Like, the first time, and I guess there was a, a very minor one with Antonio Smith and Richie Incognito like five, six years ago, but the first time we've ever really seen a guy swing a helmet and hit a guy in his head, and we're talking about the impact on youth football? Like, I, I don't get it. There, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to football, youth football, hits to the head, CTE, uh, traumatic brain injuries. There's a lot there. I mean, that, that, that's a very real topic that you and I have had great conversations about, Dave. We've had Chris Nowinski on. That, that is absolutely something that everybody should research and talk about all the time. But to try to tie in the Miles Garrett play at midnight last night with youth football somehow, I, I, I just don't understand it, especially with parents who are on the fence about their child playing football. What is the correlation? We've never seen this before. A one-time incident? I, I, I don't understand how that could possibly have any relation to whether or not you want your child to play youth football. You should make the decision. And by the way, I, I don't think people should have their kids play youth football until they're 13, 14. But you should make the decision based on the actual data involved related to CTE and the volume of hits to the head over time, not because some professional football player went crazy. That would be like saying, I'm interested to hear how parents feel about their kids playing youth basketball because Ron Artest and Steven Jackson went in the stands in Detroit and punched a bunch of fans. I mean, that is, that is, I really like Peter. He's been a mentor. That is questionable is probably the best way I can describe it without, yeah, that's how I'll describe it. I disagree with you. I absolutely disagree with you. And with all due respect, you have two girls. You don't really get to think about what it would be like to have them in the game. And when you see an incident like that, when you're a parent, as I am, of, of an 11-year-old, red-blooded, uh, aggressive male athlete who doesn't play tackle football, it does. It does seep into my mind. Every incident like that does seep into my mind. Anything that I see violent happen on the football field also seeps into Ross his mind. I got to tell you, I got home at 6.30 in the morning this morning. My son had already seen the play, watched it on TikTok, watched reaction and heard from Miles Garrett and said to me, God, it's crazy what happens there in the NFL. He's an aggressive, tough, talented athlete that wants no part of tackle football. I do think this further impacts the perception of parents across this country it's just not good for the game. I do want to get a quick word in from you about the football aspect of this game, though. Cleveland wins the game. Pittsburgh was hot before it. How do you feel differently about either team's chances, bleak as they might be, of making a playoff run as a result of last night's game? Cleveland 4-6, and six, Pittsburgh 5-5. Five and five. Yeah, I actually think both teams are, are sort of in trouble the rest of the year. Uh, Mason Rudolph really, really struggled. And the Steelers lost Juju Smith-Schuster. We'll see how long he's out. James Conner hurt his shoulder again. The Steelers' offensive line was disappointing. Steelers' defense settled down a little bit in the second half, but they don't look like a team right now, last night, that's capable of going on a long run. Maybe they'll rally around this, but losing Marquise Pouncey, and they're going to lose him for a few games, that is crazy uh, to me that to think that they could go on a playoff run without him now. That's going to hurt. Meanwhile, for Cleveland, 
Uh, I thought this was arguably their best win of the year, other than maybe the Baltimore win. This is the first time I think they've ever beaten both the Ravens and the Steelers, and yet they lose their best player. Baker Mayfield played well in the first half, not quite as well in the second half, but they lose their best player. And so we talked about it earlier, it's going to hurt their chances of going on an extended run. He is their best player. He's not going to play. And I just feel like this is going to hang over them on some level as well, Dave, where it's going to hurt their ability to, to, to play, not just losing Garrett, but having this hanging over them. Don't let, by the way, Dave, don't let any type of hiring stuff hang over you at all. It can be a slow process. Cafe El Toro COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants, so he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidate supply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Prior to Miles Garrett, the story dominating this sports week was the Saturday tryout or pro day for 32-year-old quarterback Colin Kaepernick. will break that down, how many teams are in, how many teams are out, and there is some new reporting on whether or not Colin Kaepernick will back out of it, what it had to do with Jay-Z as well. We'll get to that in a moment, but after the break, it's W-E-E-I versus W-I-P. It's Eagles versus Patriots. Who's going to win? Whose city is better? Hopefully these two are fired up on their own sides of it after a quick break here on Home and Home. A rematch of the biggest win in your franchise's history. And you get to play host. Congrats. Hey, at least we're even in Super Bowls now. Well, maybe in Super Bowls we've played against each other, but last I checked, we have a 6-1 to one ring lead on you. Yeah, you're from Philly. We won't hold math against you. Still thinking about when he gave up 41 points to Carson Wentz's backup? Brady said he's not over it. How the hell would we be? What exactly am I supposed to beware of the boogeyman? That they might allow us to run all over you? Philadelphia Freedom. Is that what they call you, secondary? Our Super Bowl win also proved that women are always right. Giselle's husband definitely cannot catch the ball. Speaking of catches, whatever happened to Alshon <laughs> Jeffrey? Is he dead? Or did he just never recover after costing you guys a trip to the NFC Championship? Yeah, it's like Michael always said, never trust a guy with three first names and no good hands. How often do you think Tom Brady's teammates want to tell him, okay, Boomer? Is it true that if I catch Darren Sproles, I get to keep all his gold? Do you guys really think Gronk is coming back like the dad who went out for a pack of smokes? You guys are just mad because you let the wrong quarterback go. Same's true for you. You watch your mouth when you talk about Mr. Brady. Hey, Tom Brady is a legend, <laughs> we all agree. He's as iconic as the Rocky statue. It's just the Rocky statue has more mobility. The Great Molasses Flood is how I describe Tom Brady dropping back to pass. Hold on, I'm getting a call. Look at that, it's from your star quarterback. Oh, and it's coming from the Jacksonville area code. Crazy, it's called New England, and the only <laughs> thing you've added in 200 years is weed dispensaries. Philadelphia, where smoking cigarettes on your row house front porch is a career goal. Do you know what the real sound of Philadelphia is? <laughs> Police sirens. How many states are in New England anyway? It's like the Soviet Union if everyone were more cold and miserable. <laughs> if it's always sunny in Philadelphia, why do all your fans look like they just crawled out of a cave? Hey. It is Patriots versus Eagles. It is Boston versus Philly. It is W-E-E-I versus W-I-P on Home and Home today. Let's break it down with John Marks from W-I-P in Philly. Michael Bonansky, W-E-E-I in Boston. God, that is some great video, great sound. Can't wait for this outstanding football game, 425 on Sunday. Mutt, let's start with you. Why does Philly suck? 
they suck because I'm still scarred uh, from the Super Bowl. A couple years ago, Super Bowl, Minnesota, sitting right next to John Marks and the WIP team. And it was all these uh, Vincent Papali wannabes, all these extras from the Invincibles chanting, fly, Eagles, fly, for hours on Radio Row. They suck because I'm still <laughs> scarred. I still hear that in my brain they were chanting that at John's show all afternoon. Uh, I, I can't get over it. I'm sorry. That's a me problem. I understand that. But those people are crazy, Briggs. There's no doubt. And, and John, I, I think I know you well enough and the people of Philadelphia, you're never going to get over what happened a couple of years ago either. How much is just this week and the Eagles playing the Patriots bringing back all those fond memories of Uh-oh, it froze. All right, got Yeah, he got a little audio issue, but you know where he was going with that, John. Go I ahead do. and respond to Mutt. Uh, well, Mutt, I remember you at Radio Row, and you're right. I mean, you guys are used to having Super Bowls up in Boston. You're used to every year going to Radio <laughs> Row and having your broadcasts. We're from Philadelphia. We have no idea about that. So when we got to the Mall America two almost two years ago now, half of Philadelphia came, and you're right, outside of Radio Row, but, you know, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, Patriots suck, Patriots suck. And somehow the Eagles won that game. I mean, I, I think the first Super Bowl that the Eagles were going to win had to happen with a backup quarterback that outplayed Tom Brady in that fashion. So all week, I mean, really, in two years, all we've done is is recap the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Because last year was 9-7. and seven. You guys went back and won another Super Bowl. You're used to that. We're not. So we relive the Super Bowl because we have a team right now that's teetering on making the playoffs or not. So, Mutt, here's my question, because I've watched a bunch of Patriots games. Are they good? Like, how good are the Patriots? It's The defense making plays, I think it's the worst O-line they've had. Uh, Brady's throwing the ball away every play. Like, are the Patriots good? They are good, but they're definitely overrated, Ross. I mean, you're talking about a team that uh, just a couple of weeks ago people were saying – have one of the best defenses of all time. Uh, it's a team that has a hard time running the football. It's a team that, as you said, the offensive line without Isaiah Wynn, he's been banged up, has been an issue. They're good, but they're overrated. What they still have is Tom Brady. When you watch these quarterbacks, you watch Mason Rudolph last night, we'll watch a million of them this weekend. Hell, Carson Wentz is one of these guys. Week to week, there's an inconsistency with Brady off the bye and this offensive talent. You know he's going to show up. And that's what's sort of holding it together right now, that it's been Brady and the defense. I mean, this defensive secondary is as good as any defensive secondary in football. Stephon Gilmore is playing at an all-pro level. And so the schedule has not been great. The last thing we saw was Baltimore uh, running up and down the field and out coaching, out playing the Patriots. They're good, but let's say a little overrated. I think that'd be my take on the Patriots right now. John, that fun video we played there says, yeah, you let go of the wrong quarterback. That They were joking around, but I hear that a lot. What does this mean for, for Carson Wentz? If he loses it, are you going to hear that more and more? We let go of the wrong guy. No, you're not going to hear that. I mean, obviously, you're going to hear it from some people out there. And, and we still get – I took phone calls yesterday. You have maybe three people a day if you're doing a heavy Carson Wentz talk that's going to call in and say Nick Foles should have been the guy. Uh, but reality is Nick Foles didn't even play a quarter down in Jacksonville. He's never been able to stay healthy. He, he, he's an unbelievable player. I love Nick Foles. I wish there would have been a way for him to stay. But Carson Wentz is an, is, has, the, has the possibility of being an elite quarterback uh, in the NFL for a long time. So if he loses on Sunday, I, you know, losing to the Patriots is one thing. Losing to the Seahawks the following week is another thing. Getting beat by Dallas the second to the last week of the season, if that means winning the NFC East, that's an entirely another conversation. But to your point, Carson Wentz has got to start winning some of these games and the excuses surrounding them. Because right now we have what they call Wentz protectors in Philadelphia. You have guys that no matter what you say about Carson Wentz, he's not allowed to be criticized. Whether it's the wide receivers, that's the issue. The offensive line, even though they've played very well this year, they've been the issue. So you have a large pocket of people in Philadelphia that are over the top and protecting Carson Wentz. But as you lose games and as you don't have success and the further you get away from that Super Bowl, the more people are going to kind of go over to that side of saying, well, maybe you didn't keep the right quarterback. John, you got to give me an update on something because you're down there. Uh, the Eagles are coming off a bye. And yet somehow Alshon Jeffrey got hurt. And they're working out Jay Ajayi right now on a Friday, which 
makes me wonder if maybe Jordan Howard's hurt. He's been listed as limited in practice, and maybe they'll sign him. How did the Eagles starting running back and best wide receiver get hurt during the bye week? What is going on? Well, let's start with Alshon Jeffrey. He's 29 going on 49, right? If you watch him play, it looks like he's really in his last years. He's not even 30 yet. He was actually injured in the last series of the last game. I heard his calf. So he hasn't practiced. He didn't practice yesterday. I actually don't even want him to play. Um, I, I would rather have him fresher or healthier for the, the following week against Seattle because I don't need him going out there with a calf injury to where he goes out and he plays 70 plays and then he re-aggravates it and he, he can't finish the game out. It's a tricky injury. So that's Alshon Jeffrey. He didn't practice yesterday. I don't know if he's going to play on Sunday. Jordan Howard hurt his shoulder. And this kind of came out. It wasn't even mentioned in the game, but it kind of came out this week. And it was like, oh, well, he's limited, limited participant on Thursday. I feel a lot better about Jordan Howard player playing just because he was limited, but he did practice. Darren Sproles popped up yesterday on the injury report. He didn't play. He didn't. He didn't. Was it, he practiced on Wednesday. So he practiced on Wednesday. Something must have happened. He's got a quad injury that didn't allow him to practice yesterday. He's not the lead back, but he is a guy that's a special teamer and is a third down back. And I think that's the biggest reason why they worked out Jay Ajayi. I think the Sproles injury is significant and the fact that Jordan Howard is limited with a shoulder injury. Like you saw with James Conner last night, he's one hit away from being out of the game. So they want to bring a guy in here that is familiar with the offense. But Ross, to your point, it's not good. You know, I'm going to sit here and, and make a case for how the Eagles are going to beat the Patriots, and I believe that they can. But if you're missing out Sean Jeffrey and you're missing one of your top two running backs, and you're talking about a wide receiving core that stinks. How are you going to score points? You, know, you need to score points to win in the NFL. I know that they're not the 2017 Eagles with scoring points, but without Jeffrey and without Howard, you're in big trouble. Yeah, I'm with you, John. The only thing I would say, and Mud, I want you to chime in on this. Even if Alshon Jeffrey did play, if Belichick put Stephon Gilmer on him, he wouldn't catch a pass the whole game. I mean, I mean, he really wouldn't. And I don't know, Mutt, if you guys have been talking about it, but I kind of envision on third down, I, I've seen Belichick do this. I was there when he did it once. I picture him putting a straight-up vice on Zach Ertz. I can almost guarantee that Zach Ertz will not catch a pass on third down. Mutt, do you see it playing out that way? Yeah, it's interesting. Like it, when John talks about the, the Howard injury, to me that's the most significant one. It's more significant than Jeffrey because – the way you beat the Patriots this year is run the football. Because in the old days, Belichick almost goaded you into running the football, begging you to run because he knew Brady's going to roll out of bed and score 30 points. Their offense is not that good right now. So if a team like the Eagles pounds the ball at Jordan Howard, wins time possession 2-1, to one, they have the advantage. If they can't do that, that is big time in the Patriots' favor. And you talk about the receiving core that we saw in the Baltimore game, man. Those tight ends, Boyle and Hurst, and to a lesser extent, Andrews, they torch the Patriots. They're good against the run. Their linebackers are slow against the pass. It's Zach Ertz and Goddard. Man, those two guys, to me, are the two guys the Patriots have to focus in on defensively. Gilmore, Ross, the, the example I've been making recently is Ty Law. Like, he's the best cornerback they've had since Ty Law. He takes away one side of the field. And Belichick can use him on wide receivers, use him on tight ends. Uh, he's used him everywhere. And he can erase a guy. That's what he's done so far this year is erase players. And so I'm with you. Zach Ertz could see some uh, Stephon Gilmore on third down. And Goddard, to me, is the other guy. Good receiving tight end. I think he's going to have uh, uh, the Patriots' uh, defensive schemes looking his way. He's a little secret weapon, I think, for that Eagle offense. All right. We're previewing Pat's Eagles with John Marks, WIP, Michael Butnansky, WEEI in Boston. Enough of this civil crap. And I hope we can get into, you know, lobster rolls versus cheesesteaks, Boston versus Philly. But hopefully some smack talk now will give you both the chance to say why your team kicks the other's ass. And John, we'll start with you. And then, Mutt, you respond. Yeah, strength of the Eagles, Dave, is running the football. And weakness of the Patriots, Mutt mentioned it, is stopping the run. So we know that the passing game, because of their wide receivers, isn't necessarily great. But if you're talking about what the Eagles can do, their offensive line has been mauling people recently, one of the top offensive lines in the league. So you run the football. That's what you do. You run the football. You set up third down, third and short. And then from there, you protect Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz got to make some plays. He's got to make something out of nothing here. Obviously, you're going to use Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. You're going to try to, but you're going to run the football. And Carson Wentz is going to have to make plays. He's been excellent on the third down. He's been excellent in the red zone. 
can't settle for field goals. When you get in there, you got to get touchdowns. They've been excellent in the red zone. And then from there, that's the offense. What do you got to do on defense? Again, strength against weakness. Weakness of the Patriots, offensive line. Strength of the Eagles right now is getting to the, getting to the quarterback from their front four. Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham has been great. Brandon Graham might be having the best season of his career so far. Um, so I look at strength and weakness. Offense, strength for the Eagles, weakness for the Patriots. Same thing with the defense. Get to the quarterback, get Tom Brady off his spot, and that's how you're going to win the game. You're going to win the game by exploiting their weaknesses with your strengths. And here's the other thing. Since Doug Peterson's taken over as Eagles coach, in the 30 games at home, Lincoln Financial Field, they're 23-7. and seven. So don't get behind early. Get that crowd loud. Make them somewhat predictable in what they're going to do on offense with Tom Brady. And that's the formula. And honestly, I think the Eagles match up very well against the Patriots right now. And I, I, I firmly, even with the injuries, even the injuries that are going on right now with the Eagles, I firmly believe the Eagles are winning this game because the Patriots haven't played anybody. Mutt mentioned it earlier. You beat the hell out of the Steelers to start the, the year. That was a good win. You lost to the Ravens. In between, you have a bunch of tomato cans that you're playing without quarterbacks, without really anything else. So the, the record, the overall record of the Patriots, yeah, it's very good. But who have they beaten? This week, they're actually going to play a team that seems to be on the rise as we speak right now. This is a, not an easy win for the Eagles, but this is a win for the Eagles. I believe that. Mutt, your rebuttal? Well, I, I mean, he's right about the strength of schedule. The Patriots haven't played anybody, but, I mean, the Eagles don't have anybody in the secondary. Like, I, the, my big thing all week for this game is that Tom Brady's going to turn back the clock. He's seen Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson and these young quarterbacks light it up. Brady's throwing for 400 yards against this no-name secondary for Philadelphia. And, and John talks about the pass rush. That's great, except you're playing a quarterback who gets the ball up before you can blink. It's going to be short passes to Edelman, short passes to Mohamed Sanu. James White's going to have a huge game. And Belichick is, uh, fortunately for Doug Peterson and company, one of the smart coaches that will look at Philadelphia's run defense and say, we're not going to bother. They're one of the best run defenses in the NFL. We're going to throw, throw, throw. And they have the personnel, and they have scheme to do it. Against Baltimore, got lost in the shuffle. 52% of the time they went no huddle. They're going no huddle against Philadelphia. They're keeping the, the slow defensive players in the field after first down. And Brady is going to carve them up because Maddox and Darby and these guys, they can't cover Marks. They can't cover Tucker. They can't cover Briggs. <laughs> they won't be able to cover these guys in the secondary. And they're, they're well coached. They have a good quarterback, but their secondary stinks, and Brady exposes them coming off the bye this weekend. It's the, it's, I'm more confident about that than anything. It's not going to be a blowout win by any means, but in the end, Brady is going to have a monster, monster day. It's the reason why 80% of the bets right now in Vegas are on the Patriots, because they see what I see. Mm. The Eagles have no secondary, and Brady finally getting some guys back, including Nikhil Harry, the rookie first-round pick out of Arizona State, expected to play this weekend. They've raved about him the last couple days in practice, and he's another guy the Eagles can't cover. They can't cover him. Dude, Tom Brady's slow ass could cover me, man. I am old. I am in pain. <laughs> I am slow. I am out of shape. I got nothing left. All right, cheesesteaks v. lobster rolls marks. I mean, cheesesteaks, here's the reason why. You can go, everybody, when they come to Philly, they want to eat at one of the, we call them tourist traps. Uh, Pat's, Geno's, they're good cheesesteaks, don't get me wrong, but the thing about a cheesesteak in Philadelphia, in South Jersey, in Delaware, in the Philly suburbs, you can get a great cheesesteak at any pizza shop. You can go to hundreds of places and get a great cheesesteak. I don't know if you can do that in Boston, in New England, right? Lobster rolls, yeah, I'm sure they're pretty good. Can you go to a pizza shop and get a lobster roll that's as good as any as you can get anywhere else? I think not much overrated the lobster roll. That's what I would say. Oh, the cheesesteak with the cheese whiz. I mean, what, what are we doing here? We are going up to Maine. We're going to Wells Beach, Maine, right on the water. You get the uh, lobster roll with the bacon bits, the buttered roll, little mayo inside. You want to dip it, you can do that. Uh, a cold beer on a summer afternoon in Maine is much better than a pizza shop cheese whiz cheesesteak. Why are we debating this? It's not even a debate. I wouldn't want to get anything in a pizza shop besides pizza. A cheesesteak? Come on. Come on. All right. So uh, you guys are both going to go crazy on me here. All right. Uh -oh. I, I, I don't love either one of them. Oh. I, 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 John's like looking at me crazy. <laughs> I, so I don't know why, but I I love chicken cheesesteaks, and I've always had chicken cheesesteaks. I don't know what that means. And I'm kind of allergic to lobster, 
and they put like what, what is that? Like what do they put in their mud? Is it like mayonnaise or something? Yeah, they so, take the lobster, they take the lobster meat and they mix it up with some mayonnaise, some spices, some bacon bits. What? How is that bad? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you how it's bad. Cause mayonnaise is foul. Okay, mayonnaise is foul. I'm an anti mayonnaise. Nobody should ever have to have mayonnaise or anything. It ruins the lobster roll. So I'm team cheesesteak, and I'm team Philly. Go Eagles! You stink, mutt. I agree. How do I debate with that? that I mean, come on. That is Wait. some passion. All right, mutt, I got to ask you about Rob Gronkowski. Yet again, baiting all the fans, keeping us on the edge of our seats. They've got till November 30th for him to commit if he's returning. He was on James Corden last night in the audience. Here is the late night host asking Gronk if he's going to return. Would you go back? Ooh. Would you? Be, you'd never say, but would you go back? Oh, would you, oh my gosh! Would, would you, I ever? Just uh, think once. There's, once there's if a you chance. Go back. There, there, I mean, I oh, I got a blink. Eventually. No, I'm saying uh, blink once if you'd go back to uh, the Patriots. Uh, or, <laughs> All right, blink twice if you oh, go back I just to the blinked. I just blinked. It just happened. Uh, oh, I blinked again. Okay, there you go. You never know. There's always a chance. James. Shut up. Are you serious? You never know. There's always a chance. Yeah. I can't work out if you're messing with me or not. Are you being serious? I mean... I would love nothing more to see Rob Gronkowski back on the... I mean, back on the... You're putting me on the spot. No, you're Come putting on. me on the spot here. All right, Mud, is he just messing with all of us, keeping the reality show and the marketing alive, or is he still considering it, and do you think he comes back? Uh, if he comes back, it's not this year. This is getting so stupid. I mean, Ian Rappaport's got a big story last Sunday. Gronk might come back, but here's the subheadline: Gronk's shown no interest in coming back. Uh, he's lost a bunch of weight. He's enjoying his time away from football. He wanted to take a full year off. If he comes back, it's next year. This joke... And there are some Patriot fans who, like, believe that he's going to come back and save the day and try to save. He, 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 no one gave more than Rob Gronkowski in his Patriots career. He should not be expected to walk back through that door and save the Patriot offense because they suck on third down. This is so stupid. He's a master marketer. He promotes CBD Medic. He's doing these in-stadium uh, you know, events where it's like an obstacle course. He's on Instagram doing yoga. He's not coming back. This is just a dumb story. It'll finally go away on the 30th. Because people want him to come back. He's having a great time in retirement. And I'll be happy when we get to December 1st. We can stop talking about it for the rest of the year. Mutt, uh, totally agree. Well said. And frankly, if anybody, like, if you really care about him, I don't even think you should want him to come back because of all the injuries he's had. My question for both of you guys, it's my last one, is just pretend that what happened with Miles Garrett last night was an eagle or a patriot what do you think your callers would be saying and what would you say about discipline keep in mind for john it's an eagle for mutt it's a patriot john why don't you start well i mean i think the i think the the uh obviously the the punishment is going to be be significant and i don't think it's just going to be six games i think it's indefinite and then depending on how miles garrett handles this he handled it last night he took ownership of it at least but I, I I don't know I don't know the other side of this I, I mean Skip Bayless isn't going to be able to come on today and and do his spin where he plays the other side There's no other side to this you know I mean he, he Miles Garrett is 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 crazy I mean what he did on the football field I mean Ross I look to you I, I work with Ike Reese former Eagle on WIP I look to former players and say well what do you think about this What do you think about a player ripping off the helmet of a quarterback and then using it as a weapon and then totally turning into a total melee um, you know, if we're in Philadelphia, what we're talking about today is has Doug Peterson lost control of the team? And I would I would assume in, in Cleveland today, what they're talking about is it has Freddie Kitchens lost control of this team. He had comments earlier in the preseason about how we stand up to everybody and we're going to fight everybody. I don't think he meant that. But, you know, I mean, the, 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 the punishment's going to be significant. And I wouldn't expect it's even just the rest of the season. It's going to be an indefinite period. But the other thing I took from the game last night, there were serious helmet-to-helmet hits. Uh, Smith Schuster was was knocked out for three minutes, you know, so uh, that was just the end of the game. But during the game, there was there was multiple helmet to helmet hits on, on wide receivers. And I think that's even more significant than than what Garrett did, because that's really shows you where the league is. The, the Miles Garrett thing 
very rarely or ever happens like that. The helmet to helmet stuff that they try to stop, that's really what I'm focusing on that should be that people should get suspended for for those kind of hits. Yeah, I'm with you. Mutt, what about you in New England? Uh, we take 12 hours of calls, people wanting Garrett arrested, put in jail, uh, out of football forever, if, they, if he treated Brady like that. John makes a great point about uh, the culture there in Cleveland. And I'll disagree on one point. He said that Miles Garrett took responsibility. He called it an accident. Go back and listen to his postgame. He called it an accident. There's nothing accidental about what he did. Uh, it wasn't premeditated like it was uh, on the ice, the, the the hockey play we all saw. But he knew what he was doing. He swung that helmet. And the indefinite suspension makes a lot of sense. And it's a situation where he's probably going to have to prove to Goodell and company that he deserves to come back and play. Because if Goodell, he has to know this. If he under-penalizes him, the, here come the politicians after football. They're going to use it as a platform to attack football again. Goodell doesn't want that. I mean, he's got this Kaepernick workout over the weekend. He's got this now looming as a Sunday news dump for people. So it's going to be a punishment that is uh, probably well into next year. And it's deserved because his sport already is in a position where people are criticizing it left and right for a million different things. And he can't go soft on Garrett. I don't think he will. Uh, I wonder if other guys around him are going to get suspended. I've seen some of the pushback that it's Mason Rudolph's fault today or Pouncey should have been stomping around there. I disagree with that. This is a Garrett issue. He should be gone for a while, and it's it's well-deserved. And I, I, my prediction is he'll have a statement today that is better than his statement last night where he called it an accident for swinging the helmet at uh, Mason Rudolph. Mutt and Marks, it's been a lot of fun on a Friday. WEI versus WIP, Eagles versus Patriots. We hope you're wearing the other's gear on Monday, depending on who wins this game, fellas. We appreciate the time. Enjoy the game and the weekend. You too, guys. Thanks. Thanks, guys. All right, that's WEEI versus WIP Patriots and Eagles should be a great one on Sunday. We're going to take a quick break here on Home and Home. And when we come back, a jersey swap like you have never seen, not in the NBA, not in the NFL, this one between an NBA superstar and an American hero. We'll also delve into the latest on Colin Kaepernick, Jay-Z's involvement, may have got this started. Ross Tucker breaks that down after a break here on Home and Home. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 